Coming to you from the foot of the majestic Rocky Mountains, Denver, Colorado, it's the Savage Cast, a Savage Worlds podcast brought to you by the Rocky Mountain Savages. Here are your hosts, Chris Savage Mommy Fox, Christopher Savage Bull Landauer, and David Garrett. Savages! So, welcome to Savage Cast, episode 20. This is Chris Savage Bull Landauer with... The Savage Mommy. And David Garrett. Welcome, guys. The uh, So, what have you guys been up to since our last recording? Well, running some Savage Worlds games. I'm running Lost Sons. Uh, for a Sunday group, uh, like most things, the holidays kind of screwed us up a little bit. So we're, we'll get back into that tomorrow. Getting ready for Genghis Khan and uh, trying a new system. Oh, not Savage Worlds. You cheater. Yeah, we're trying. Uh, you polyamorous gamer. Yeah, trying something called Trudvang, which is a Norwegian system uh, that they've translated into English uh, from a company called Riot Minds. They put it out on. Um, our, uh, Facebook, um, Kickstarter. Couldn't think of it all of a sudden. And uh, a couple of friends kickstarted it, and so we're giving it a try. Is that uh, related to the Tales from the Loop? Was no, like, no, oh, different wow. one. Yeah, okay. different one. Uh, but the one thing I can say about Trudvang is that just last week, um, it does not fall under all of the monikers of Savage Worlds because I can tell you what, it may be fun, but it is sure not going to be fast. Uh, <laughs> there's a few things with combat that, I was so confused about uh, last and it's week. Not a, it's not due to it being a new system you're learning, but you think it's going to always be slow like that? Uh, it, it's a new new system, but it is going to be a little bit slower because basically you get this combat pool of combat points that you can spend during a combat. So you have to decide in advance what you want to do in that round of combat and how you're going to spend your combat points. And some of them are free combat points and some of them are locked combat points that you can only use for certain actions. And then if you're if you're going to use your shield, you have more combat points, but those are only good for your shield. And so you have, you have to really think about what you want to do and how you're going to spend these combat points. And I'm still trying to wrap my head exactly around how that's going to work. So it's interesting. We're, we're giving it a three-week trial, uh, and then uh, we're going to have a second group give it a three-week trial, and then we're going to decide after that if it's something we want to try to run a campaign in. I have this general feeling that when people create new systems, it's because they were playing a game in another system, and there was just one little scenario that they wanted to have crunch for that wasn't in this. Like, so it sounds like in your scenario, like someone had a shield, but what happens when like the dragon blows up your shield it doesn't really hurt you but it hurts the shield and then the shield's gone so they're like we need some crunch for this and they're so pissed off they don't have the crunch for like the one little thing they think there should be oh, crunch yeah. for they're like and let's make a new system and all of your weapons and shield and armor all have points that wear down and so your stuff can get destroyed you right know? because entropy is a really fun thing to play right in so I don't know games. I don't like, know I don't know how as I'm, if go- life, I'm gonna as like if life it. doesn't <laughs> kick you in the nuts enough with reality see uh, let's uh, have your characters get old and arthritis and they'll get hemorrhoids and they'll just like they'll go blind and get some cataracts and their wives will leave them and their dogs will die and they'll release a country album yeah there's a lot more math involved in it than I was than I was thinking and, and really prepared for to be honest with you listen people
people that games are supposed to be fun. I know it's fast, like, furious, fun, kind of fast, a, furious, fun people. A little secret out there, but like, and it kind of extends to some other things. Like, I know there are a lot of really fun, interesting people making some new games in Colorado and around. And I look at some of them and I'm like, this is a very interesting concept. Buccaneer through hell and high water. Go not, ahead. Sorry, not go that ahead. one. Not no. I'm not going to criticize our own game. No, no. no I'm saying we, we're making new content. Right, we are. Um, but like you know, an existing paradigm like it's supposed to be fun and swashbuckling. But I'm like, wait a minute, this. You guys, like, you're putting a lot of passion into this, and it's really interesting, but is it going to be fun versus, like, therapy? Right. Or, like, you know, <laughs> yeah, and it's it's just, it's interesting. It's going to take I'm, me 20 minutes to figure out my goddamn combat pool, and then something's going to change in, in the combat, and like, I'm going to have yeah. to change everything around. Paralysis so, by analysis. Like, yeah. Decision, so many decisions that we're not even playing a game anymore. It's turned into, you know, some kind of epic strategic. Yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm not trying to shit on Trudvang because it's it's a new system, and it's it's a different system. It has kind of a cool name. But Trudvang. Trudvang, yeah. So, you know, so that's what we're, I'm doing yeah. right now. Well, you know, it may speed up though as you get the hang of some of the mechanics it's hard to say right because any game you first start out with obviously is gonna yeah and a lot of, and, and curve. a lot of us didn't do a lot of reading because the, the my friend carl who's running it for us we were like all right carl, carl. it's a new game you figure it out and you 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 tell us and you basically show us and we all should have read the combat example. We all should have read a few little bits of the game, and it probably would have been a lot easier. Because Saturday night I got home, and I couldn't sleep, and about 3 a.m. I pulled up my, my, my iPad, and I read the combat part. And I'm like, oh, okay, it makes a little bit more sense, but it's going to be work. Yeah. It's going to be work to figure out what you want to do. So it'll be interesting to see how it goes, um, you know. I don't know when you people will be listening to this, but uh, we're recording this on a Saturday and we're playing session two uh, tonight. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah. So, David, what have you been doing? I've been prepping for uh, uh, the con. So I'm going to run a couple of sessions of Saga of the Goblin Horde. Is this the first time you're running for us? Yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah, last time I only played in games. I didn't didn't want all the hassle. <laughs> All the prep it's, it's work. a little bit of work, it's a now, bit of work yeah. isn't it? We, it is. I, I want to try to, you know, we talked like, last time about theming out the, the setting and everything. So I've been working on that kind of stuff, trying to get prep for it so that have all the the visual sim- stimulation. Yeah, so go r- real quick because we, we got a pretty good meat of the show here. Real quick, tell us or tell people kind of when you say theming it out, for your game, what types of, what types of things have you done? Yeah, so uh, – well, first of all, you know, Richard is releasing this game as uh, free, as just as files. So the I went through... The Goblin Horde. Yeah, I brought the book in so you can see it's it. Sexy. So I ordered the book through Lulu uh, using Richard's instructions, and you can see it came out. You know, it looks just like any other printed setting book. And uh, I've made some bennies, got Frank Turfler's uh, design maps that uh, Richard used. So I'm using those and got some, you know, the miniatures. Got got a lot of goblin miniatures. So put in an order for the wild die that will have the goblin head symbol on there. So it's going to be, it'll be fun. And then what you're talking about, uh, Christopher, with uh, the game is supposed to, at the bottom line is we're here to have fun and play a game. Right. That is going to be fun. Oh. It is so hilarious, the situations that the goblins are in and what they get into. Recording so. foul. Right. I heard your phone. Recording foul. I know. I had to pull up some information. The, uh, <laughs> no, I, the, Richard did an amazing job on this. Like, the, like He needs to get a published setting out. I mean, I know there were some you know, issues with this, getting this license and all that kind of stuff, but I mean, I can't wait to see what he does next because there is just a lot of really good... 
Well, you know, he, he's, he's just announced he's going to release more uh, one-sheets for it, continuing on. with Like, when you read through there, you just see these softballs of like, oh, that would be a good thing to take and run with, and uh, you know, a, a different plot point with this. Well, he's doing that. So he's obviously designed it with that in mind. But he's also designing a new game system that he's going to release the exact same content, like oh, Saga of the system. Goblin Horde, yeah. but for this Swift D12 system that nice. he's... All the art inside, gorgeous. The, yeah. they have the layout, pretty fantastic. Yeah, I mean, All right, Christopher, what you been doing? Anything uh, gaming-wise? Planning for Genghis Khan 41. So this is the, the deal, guys. Genghis Khan is the largest <laughs> Savage Worlds convention anywhere in the universe. We run it here in Denver, Colorado. It's coming up February 15th to the 18th. The uh, You can buy your tickets uh, on tabletop.events, and it should be Genghis Khan 41. should be like on the first page of conventions. Um, it's awesome this year. We've got a veritable ton of independent RPGs. That's a kind of a thing I've been working hard to get because we've, you know, Fox and I and others have really gotten the savages in a really good place. And so we can kind of want to shift the emphasis on getting independent RPGs as good as we are. And so there's a ton of, of independent RPGs. But, you know, since you guys are Savage Worlds listeners, I mean, the number of Savage Worlds creators we're having come into the con is really kind of outstanding. Like, Daryl Hayhurst is coming. Sean Patrick Fanna is coming. Shane Hensley, the guy who made all of these systems, is coming. Let's see Chris Fox, Chris Landauer, and the, uh, Brett Wang, uh, who created this awesome pirate setting, are going to debut the Kickstarter-exclusive Savage Saturday Night yep. event. Um, we are flying in an international guest for like the first time anywhere. Oh, here before. we go. And Let's I was told we've all been saying his name it. incorrectly, so go ahead. Uh, it is, here you go. You're on, you're on stage. It is Gilbert. Gilbert, Gilbert Gallo. Yeah, nice. not Gilbert. 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 <laughs> nice. This is kind of fantastic. It sounds like, way better. I'm going to send David the clip of Gilbert pronouncing his name for me because he sent it to me on Facebook, and we're going to include it in the podcast. Like, Excellent. Perfect. He has, like, super sexy Italian voice. <laughs> so, yeah. Like, if he weren't already married, I think he would, like, land half the convention. I mean, how cool, his, how like, cool. Hi, Christopher. This is Gilbert. How <laughs> cool is it that a local con, Denver, Colorado local con, is bringing in a creator and a content person from Italy? Right? We're, we're a local con. We're not Gen Con. We're not no. PAX. We run more Savage Worlds than Gen Con. Gen Con can sniff our butt. Like, uh, <laughs> but I'm just saying, to, to me, that's that says something. Right? That says amazing. something about what, what we do as a group and what our conventions can do. You know, being local Denver conventions... And we're, and we're like able to our bring our local guys. I mean, like Daryl Hardy, he's on Ghost Punchers and Carthador. We've got, um, I mean, uh, Widening Gyre by Bill Keys. I mean, yeah. the number of settings for Savage Worlds that like birth themselves in the Rocky Mountain region is kind of fantastic. Yeah. And um, let's pat ourselves on the back a little bit more. Right? We're uh-huh. awesome. And so the, the reason <laughs> we're here to talk about this is like, guys that have a pirate theme game coming out too, right? Yeah, we don't know about those smokes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, whatever. The um, hey, let me do a plug though. Since I, I, the only the only contribution I made to this was writing a one sheet, right? So you guys did all the hard work, but uh, that gave me the opportunity to see a lot of it as it was going through the production phase and everything. And let me tell you, when I got that file, it's three hundred and eight page book. I was like, holy crap, this is like <laughs> that's a lot of content. It is and amazing. You know, my, that's a big. When book. we're writing this thing, I'm like. God, if we get 100 pages or 150 pages, we're going to be lucky. <laughs> right. How the hell did we get a 300-page book? Yeah, let's, yeah, let's you just... and Brett kind of went to town. Yeah, we did. Uh, a little bit. We did. Very... We did. 
so you know, just to give you, like, well, you can't, y'all can't see, but <laughs> as they say, great pod, David, great pod. <laughs> Here, everyone, look at this soccer, book. Right? Yeah, and, and that it's, it's kind of crazy how much work they actually did. And the, um, I mean, you know, and again, I think that's kind of the point is if you're treading over ground that similar have been tread before, you want to bring some value. And Fox and Wang definitely went through and did like a massive amount of like here is detail about the Caribbean or the Caribbean um, that you can use in your game like backgrounds people nationalities in addition to all like the fun crunch and like new stuff we added like there's the legit section about the world is fantastic and Gilbert did this amazing and like we put we spent some lots of pages oh on the, this. Adventure the adventure generator is pretty freaking it's not cool. a two page generator it oh is, no oh it is it's, you it's stout it, it is it's it very is. reminiscent of me of uh, what they did with uh, Strahd, D and D did with that. How you they have their own special deck to go with that, but you're obviously going to use your uh, adventure deck anyway, right? So um, or your action deck anyway. But it's the way it's done, the the ceremony, the laying out of it, and everything that that fits the theme of the you know. Right. So we, we, we hope it's a little fun for the GMs too, because yeah. like. I don't know, GMing is hard work, and a lot of times just getting, like, one good idea is tough. But, I mean, Gilbert put in yeah. uh, some lot, like, really good plot hooks. Oh, yeah, it's, it's awesome. And the way it weaves together. And it's, like, it's just a really cool thing. Yeah, it's and, good. Uh, I, you know, and eventually I hope, you know, I, I want to try to try to work with Eli Kurtz. Um, and I, I want to get a plot point campaign at some point for it and, and do some work on that. So, you know, we've got we've got places we can go. You know, with with Buccaneer, uh, so and I, that's I think what you're going to be running, right, Chris? I'll run, Buc- yeah, I'm going to run Buccaneer. I'll run the uh, Savage Saturday Night uh, Kickstarter exclusive um, for sure. I may run another one. I'm also, I'm kind of thinking, I kind of want to run Monster Hunters Club, right? That's I, I want to cool. run just one of the uh, uh, f- one session of that, and then I'm hoping um, that uh, we get uh, ETU um, run. Um, you know that that's our ongoing ETU um, four-year um, campaign that Sarah Martinez is running. Uh, Sarah is a new mom and very very busy with a toddler and a brand new baby, so she's uh, you know working hard to get the next uh, ETU ready. Um, so you know she's she's got some life things going on. That's right kind of cool though. Like we can definitely do like instead of being class of nineteen or twenty nineteen, it could be class of twenty twenty. Like, yeah, if we if know. we have to push it back a little bit. Yeah, fifth year seniors. Yeah. That totally fits our personality. <laughs> oh yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. <laughs> Let's just take another year. Someone got pregnant or had to go down to Arizona for nine months for right. asthma, and suddenly their asthma's better. Right? Yeah, okay, we can totally do that. Like no pressure. You know, no one's paying us to do this crap. So yeah. You know, All right, gentlemen. So what do you say we get into the meat of the show? We've got oh, some topics I want to talk that, about. Before that, come oh. out for Gilbert. Gilbert Gilbert. 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 He's running um, a Olympus Inc. adventure twice. Okay. Once on on um, Friday Night Bar Fight. And it's themed with, um, I think it's Bacchus. So it kind of fits the whole, like, get drunk and have fun. Um, and it's actually setting it at Genghis Khan. So it's like a Genghis Khan oh, event at Genghis Khan. That's, and that's he's running that like Friday and then like Sunday. And then he's running a pirate themed game because, of course, but he's, he's going to do Return to Monkey Island. Nice. So it's going to be like tongue in cheek, like sequel to the LucasArts awesome uh, video games from like the 90s. And, um, and he's going to run a mythos, or then he's going to run a mythos game, um, which is a takeoff on the 300. The, like the Battle of Thermopylae oh, between yeah. the Spartans and the uh, the Persians, so sign up for the, those games. Oh, just went live. And one more thing, I saw. I didn't even realize it. One more thing, I saw our, our buddy Steve Kellison. 
He's bad. he's running a Buccaneer through Hell and High Water game. Oh my God! Yeah, he's, he's an awesome GM. I and, and I was like, wow! I was I, I didn't know that. I'm like, sweet, somebody other than us is running our game, so that's pretty cool. And isn't that kind of weird? It's a really weird feeling, like other people running your content. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that's actually yeah, very I very think, cool. I think Richard's worried that I'm just gonna totally screw up this oh, game. We're, we're totally gonna like record <laughs> that game. Like, nah, you'll be fine. We're gonna we're gonna publish the first actual play of Saga of the Dragon Horde. Yeah. yeah, from yeah. the con, yeah. It's it's going to be fun. Be kind of cool. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> All right, we ready to move on? Yeah, let's yeah so come to, come to Genghis, guys. It's like the best thing happening. There's so many cool shits going on. I got something I want to talk about. So a couple of Happy Jacks episodes ago, there was a comment made by one of the hosts, I'm not sure who it was, that triggered me. Triggered. Holy shit, I got triggered. Hashtag. Hashtag triggered. <laughs> I don't have the I don't have the exact comment written down. I, I I had it, but I think I threw it away. But it was basically the comment was made and it was just kind of quick. And it was something to the effect of, yeah, yeah, all all our, our GMs who don't run modules are creative. And that got me thinking. So because I run plot point campaigns and I run modules, does that mean I'm not creative? And does that mean that mean you're not a creative GM because you're running a plot point in Savage Worlds or you're running a uh, adventure path from Pathfinder? Does that make you uncreative? And I got to think, I'm like, hell no, I can still be creative. I can still put my own spin on things with a plot point. I can still do things that, that go off the beaten path of the plot point and then come back to it. Or if I'm running a module, I can, I can make changes to the module. Um, I can take things out. I can add things. I don't think that because well, you want to run something pre-written that campaign, you're not creative. You, all, you have to fill in the gaps, right? With a plot point campaign, you're, it's not fleshed out to the level of detail as a typical module. Um, but you're right. It, there's a lot of creativity within boundaries that happens. Uh, a lot of artists work better, creative type artists work better within limitations, with boundaries. If you give s certain people just free reign to do anything, and this is my general beef with sandboxy type campaigns. I don't like them. I like a, a balance between the sandbox and then the overall storyline that's supposed to be, that I've planned for it to go down. So if it becomes too sandboxy, your players are just running all over the place doing just whatever. And it, it really turns into just, to me, it can get chaotic and... Yeah, I think it's utter nonsense. Like, I mean, I, I, almost to the point where you don't have to say anything about it. Like, if you look at every creative industry, there's a reason that creative industries fall into genres. Like, music, film, TV, um, you know, 
books. I mean, you know, romance novels, you know, um, uh, country music, rap music, uh, you know, modern pop. I mean, all these things evolve into genres that develop their own tropes. Yeah, tropes and cliches yeah. and things like like languages. They develop their own language on, you know, this is how we express certain feelings, or whatever, in these, in these, these genres. And people generally gravitate towards certain parts of those, you know, those styles and away from others. And, you know, if you go into like the true creative arts where it's all, you know, I'm doing free form expressive dance, you know. That, that doesn't you know tosses away that stuff. A lot of times it's just boring and stupid. Yeah, it Maybe has it's no identity. It has sake, no signs or symbols or mythology that ties it all together into a coherent, you know, experience. It's just kind of all over the place, right? And yeah. that's the thing is like, or I mean, it's you know, nothing. It's exactly. not defined. And and then you know, and and I think part of the excitement of those genres is when you break some of those rules. Like I've just been recently watching Star Trek Discovery. And it breaks a lot of the Star Trek tropes. It's not clean and perfect and, you know, ironed and folded and, uh, you know, universal global lighting where there's no shadows and everybody, you know, no one poops and the food's everywhere and, like, <laughs> Free know, money, free right? food. Yeah, yes. No, you know, I mean, no money, free fu- food. Future is, socialism, yeah. right? Like, with no conflict except for, like, the people who are clearly bad. You know, my, my, my thing about creativity, too, is even though I'm running a plot point, I don't necessarily know what my players are going to do. So I have to have some creativity in there that if my players, even though I'm running a plot point, and my players decide to do X, and the plot point says they're supposed to do Y, well then, I either have to be creative and make X work, or I have to be that GM who is on a complete and utter railroad and won't let them do why because that's not what it says. Yeah. And that's not what you want to do in a plot yeah, point. Th- that's a good point right there because you got to think at the bottom line, what are you doing? You're telling a story. You get to participate in what the heroes do. So there's a little bit more. It's like playing a, you know, a video game that's open environment. But there's still, even in an open environment game, there's the missions. You know which things you're supposed to be doing. You can veer off that path, but there should always be some pressure on you to get back to what the main mission is if it's taken too long. Or, you know, there's got to be something happening along that main plot point right, that eventually is a magnet drawing them back to it at some point, whether that's a crunch for time, an item they got to go find or something. But I think to to stop that antagonism that you're talking about between where the players see the GM as just the rule man that that or is railroading everybody they, everybody needs to remember it's a collaborative storytelling. So if you guys want to go off of the plot point, let's work together to say tell the story that happens to these heroes as they go off of the main path into something new. Yeah, Jib yeah. Um, from Happy Jacks um, and the, the Wednesday um, GM podcast, he always says that if you want to do what you kind of said, where, where you want to you wanna be the controller as the GM and you want to really railroad people Uh, there's a little railroad in every game but if you want to really railroad people and you want to be in control of everything put your dice away take your laptop go to starbucks and write your damn novel because that's not what gaming's about and every jim says that a lot and every time he says it i'm kind of like yeah that's very true. Well, I think what what do you think drives a GM to be that way is that they're scared of that loss of control. What if my group gets out of hand and goes into an area I'm not prepared to GM? They go do something that I just can't. So I think that's why you have to include the players too. And if they if 
they want to go do something that you haven't really prepped for, they need to understand, all right, guys, you know, it's not an insult to me that I haven't prepared for it. That's what they think that, you know, like, oh, I, I don't want my players to think that I'm unprepared. I have to get sure, them back exactly. on track, right? But to just tell them, hey, guys, I haven't prepared anything for going out to this part of the desert. I don't know shit about it, just like you guys don't. So either we got to create it it together. Yeah, we make it up as we go, or else let's get back to what I have prepped to do. And I I think that's a very strong point. I agree, because I, for a long time, I was that way. I was, oh, my God, I'm not going to be prepared. I'm not going to be able to have anything i'm not going to be able to think on my feet i'm really worried i want to run the plot point exactly like the plot point's supposed to be run and there's no deviation and what got me away from that and i won't i won't share the entire story because most people already heard it but was the the first etu game that i ran for the short bus group we're calling them on sunday afternoon at one of the cons where basically quickly i wanted them to do a quick interlude uh, to to meet each other because it was their first time it was the first game so i come up with this frat party and three and a half hours into a four-hour session, we're still at the frat party. We never got to the adventure. And that was all off the cuff, all off the top of my head. Best session I've ever run, best table I've ever run. We had such a great time. And that kind of broke me of <laughs> you really have to go what the adventure says. No, I went with where do the players want to go and what are they having fun doing and we'll just let it go. Now, maybe, maybe I should have reined that in a little bit, and I should have been a better GM and said, hey, you know, kind of found a way to make it so they could get to the adventure, but we had so much fun, and they didn't, they, they weren't upset. Well, at the end of the day, like, fun is the currency we're building here. Like, you know, that's the thing. Like, we're not, it, it's better to have fun than to have checked off the box that you correctly completed stages three and four of 14 of some plot point campaign. Right, that's, that's Pathfinder. But I mean, that's like, Pathfinder when you have to check the boxes or right. you, don't get, you don't get the good gear at the end of the game and all of that kind of yeah, stuff. Li- we, don't, we don't have that. Certain living, campaign, certain living settings definitely do prioritize or incentivize that kind of play. And like with our living settings, we never really did that. We were much more about developing characters than like – you know, and, and interesting storylines, and then giving GMs as much freedom as possible to just tell stories and have people be able to bring their characters to those stories. But um, I think there also is a place, like, to go against what Jib said, and I think there is also a place for heavily narrated, written, novel-esque plots, too. Like, that can be very fun as well, because, you know, there's certain payoffs that are really hard to achieve in Sandbox. Political intrigue is one. Like... You have to set up certain conflicts and players and motivations for political intrigue that you really have a hard time doing on the fly because, you know, having four little sub-chiefs and then the GM being the chief all trying to tell a story might not necessarily create those kind of interesting things. And a lot of games that try to do that on the fly, like kind of party games like Fiasco, um, you know, have to be tailored. You have to have you have to have you know everyone on board to we're creating certain conflicts between characters and conflicts within the narrative. And sometimes sandbox doesn't do that. Sometimes you get sandbox where one player at the table is like, I want to go hack and slash and kill shit, just blow off steam. And another player is like, I want to explore my relationship with my in-game girlfriend. It has nothing to do with any of the other characters, and you really can't be a part of it. But that's what I want to do. And like that happened to me in a stupid. Like I was in college, wanting to get back into role playing, and I joined a D and D group, and like. The first session was literally there were like four of us there, private person's home, and like the one other guy, it was like three three girls and then me and another guy. And the other guy was like, I want to go find my girlfriend in game. 
And it was just like, there's nothing else anyone can do for that. Like, we're, you know, the, the rest of the party has zero agency, zero interest. Like, you know, it's really one of those things where it was just like, you know, it was like a hijack. And I was like, this isn't fun. Like, you know, and especially because like D&D second edition or whatever is totally not even a good game for even that like that subject matter anyway and that's a person who needed to be the star of the show he didn't really he didn't really care about the rest of the players he didn't really care about the rest of the players having fun and you got to kind of take you got to think about that as a player that and and as a gm yeah you you may want to give that guy a little bit of a spotlight but but make it quick i guess is the way i want to put it don't spend an entire session on it go have a quickie dude right, yeah but, go have a quickie go find your girlfriend have a quickie and then get back to the get back to the rest yeah. of the players right but like I mean, that's like, that and, takes and, a little player policing though too like somebody else at the table should go no dude what the heck go do that get away from the table well, that's exactly like what i did and I did not get invited back to that group <laughs> no <laughs> right like yeah, chris not getting invited back that would never happen but you know it's just one of those things where it's like seriously dude like no well i think there, there's also an art to um, how you present things to the players of you know, I, oh, yeah, this, this is be a whole nother, one I've learned in child rearing podcast. is the trick where you, they, you give them a false uh, set of options either one's going to lead them to where you want them to go ultimately well, they think they have agency, yeah, right? <laughs> yeah so, that's always a good thing to do like, yeah. well, and it's, a good, it's a good GM tip like sometimes you want to railroad without making it seem like it's a railroad, railroad but, yeah. you know, but it's not so much railroading as getting back to the main storyline like with this you know, the, obviously we want to, it's like a movie. We want to tell the story and have a satisfactory climax and a satisfactory epic battle or set scenes along the way. You know, it's going to, we want it to be a certain way. So it's fine to, to veer off a little bit, but come on, you want to come back and, and do the cool shit in the movie, not go off, right. you know, running off to right, and that's hunt stormtroopers in the desert. a certain amount of like, you know, GM <laughs> writing backstory and creating narrative leads to those outcomes like yeah and it's not like just crap all over pure sandbox but you know i see a lot of trends towards sandboxing and it's like i think people misunderstand maybe it's coming from video games where there actually is a very detailed series of plotted out campaign missions but you can explore the world as well and you know again the problem with that trying to bring that to tabletop is Video games are done by hundreds of different people. Most role-playing games are done by maybe two. You've got the GM at the table who has some agency and whoever wrote the module, if they're buying a module. Well, and again, it gets back to it's, it's really a sophisticated illusion like I talked about. In a video game, those side missions, you as a player may go, oh, this is a cool this is a side mission, but the next time I play it, I'm going to get presented with the same side mission. They've also railroaded you. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Sa- and sa- everything sandbox, they've designed within yeah. that game. Sandbox, if you really get right down to it, is not truly sandbox. Yeah. I think yeah. it's kind of what, what, what you're saying. Is sandbox well, is not – there's no real true sandbox where – in a video game or a role-playing game where the players – get to do whatever they right. want because, because as a gm even if you go, you have some plans as a yeah, gm you have even to have if some it's plans rolling on a table of random encounters that is game mechanics that are putting rules onto a sandbox type of an environment where you're eventually get down to an actual battle or something yeah i, I, I see i see there's there's no i don't see any 
GM versus GM judgment that needs to happen on people who buy other people's modules and run them either as written or with slight modifications or just rip out good ideas or an encounter. And or I two. think that's what most people do like, is just any of it's good. Any of that. It's and all, all of good. That there is has, no bad play. Yeah. <laughs> There's no wrong, bad fun. And really, it almost reeks of like, guys, the industry, writers don't make much money. And the industry, <laughs> no, no, they don't. Ha- I mean, it only exists. Like, there's a reason that you know certain you know role playing platforms push out new editions every like three years because they have to get the income from creating new books, and they have to get all the you know, as many people as possible to buy all new books because that's their model. Whereas, like something like Savage Worlds or GURPS, like it's been almost a decade and you can play with the same books that you well bought, we right? should go into talking about the new rules with that because that's a great right. good segue right yep. Let's um, clarify real quick. What we're talking about, new core rules, is uh, Flash Gordon just came out. Uh, the Kickstarter was a, a great success. Flash. And they just put out the PDF. Um, and you can get the PDF now if you miss the Kickstarter. The PDF's out there uh, on, I believe, RPG Now and Pinnacle site for twenty or uh, nineteen ninety nine. That penny makes a difference. And they've made some, uh, some core rule changes to Flash and, you know, we were told in some posts and things that some of these, we don't know which ones or if all of them, but some of these core rule changes may show up in Savage Worlds Black, which is, as we've already said, they're what they're calling uh, the, the, working the, the, the working title the, for the update. Um, yeah, so um, these are from Flash. Uh, we're not going to go into them in, in a lot of detail because uh, go out and buy the PDF if you're really uh, interested. We want to make sure that you give Pinnacle money. But I kind of wanted just to go over a little bit of them and get you guys' opinion. And, and I want to ask you guys, what do you think is going to make it over into Savage Worlds Black from what we're going to talk about? So uh, the first one um, is that basically now there's a wound cap. And basically, you only have to soak four wounds. And in Flash Gordon, I believe that's because they want it to be pulpy and cinematic. Um, so what, what we're talking about there is, uh, and we've talked about this before we started the show, um, in Savage Worlds right now, if let's say, for example, you take seven wounds and you're trying to soak and make sure that you don't get incapacitated, well, you're going to have to soak four of those wounds to get yourself down to three so that you're not incapacitated. And so you're trying to soak seven wounds and you're a minus seven. Well, now you're only going to have to soak ever a cap of four. It's a four wound cap. That's all you're going to have to soak is to that, get yourself back to not being incapacitated. Is that all wild cards? So it could actually apply to the big bad. Yeah, even yes. in there it says Ming and the wild. Yeah, cards. it's it's nice. it's 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 for everyone. You're not gonna one shot Ming, folks. Right. We're just tossing that out there. So so that's a good that's a good question. So do you think? What do you think of that rule? Is that is that gonna is that something that would make it into the new core? What do you think of only having to soak four wounds? Does it take anything away from oh, the game? I'm sorry, it says. 
Oh, it doesn't say me. It says, oh, oh, wild cards of Mongo wild can cards never Mongo. suffer right. more than four wounds in a single I'm hit. Sorry, in a single hit. Yeah, wild card. But wild, that's wild cards. That's Ming. That's all the wild cards. Yeah, any wild card. So what do you guys think? I like it. I think it's legit. I know it's going to be controversial because, I mean, seriously. The, oh, it's already controversial. I've the, seen a couple posts about it. Of course. Because, I mean, there are certain players who think that, like, God handed down tablets, um, you know, from the mountain. And if God changed one of those and, like, the revision after you broke the first tablet, that, like, this is a problem. Um, David, I'm speaking about you. And um, Shaken rules. Yeah, right. Exactly. Like, sh- the fact that shaken rules is still controversial with some people, it's like, move on. Two years ago. Move Two on. years ago. Move on. But, and, and this is no, this. This will be as controversial as shaken because it's it's very much in the same vein of the mechanic of, you know, and I, I think it, I think it plays nice. Like I think it definitely takes down a little bit of the uh, pendulum sort of you know one shot you know guys and like sometimes that's fun and like again GMs players if you want like wildly loopy one shot the big tank with your pea shooter fine. Just ignore this change. Have it be a setting rule for your table. Like this is like you can play the game you want to play. Like yeah. no one, there's no, there's no savage rules police. No one's gonna come <laughs> confiscate your dice. Um, but I like it. I mean, I, I think in the sense that um, I might even have been playing this wrong because when I read um, the deluxe edition, it basically you can only keep four wounds like you know you never even if you have to try to soak four to not become incapacitated you only you know for everything after you're incapacitated you're only rolling against yeah uh, yeah you're right but what you what you're what you're thinking of that's that's the incapacitation role yeah that's different than soaking wounds right exactly yeah. so now it just moves that for yeah, earlier mean, in the process it's gonna what yeah. it, when you the mechanic that it'll remove is when you happen to get somebody who like you're saying they're their damage just keeps exploding and exploding and there's absolutely no way you'll ever soak that amount of damage uh so what's the point of even bothering and it, and it would you know? it might make things run a little bit faster because then you don't have that you don't have to keep rolling and rolling and rolling and rolling you hit that four wounds you can go ahead and stop rolling at that point and move on to the next step right in that and i think a lot of times the table like Pretty much every time anyone has bennies still and they have to soak more than four wounds, they get, they burn through every single benny yeah. they oh, have yeah. to yeah. try to soak. Like, I, rarely do people save one benny for the incapacitation roll. Which you, which you should. You should. <laughs> you really should. Always <laughs> save a benny. Right? But, I mean, that's one of those things where, you know, it's kind of – the way I see this working is it's a benny saver. You're not going to kill as many bennies because it's, it's going to be easier to soak um, four versus, you know, five plus that you'd have normally – uh, and I, I can definitely see grittier and and more swingy scenarios where you might not want this. You might want to pop the big bad guy with the first shot. And that's fine. And here's the thing with the mechanics like that: it, it if it applies to the good guys, it also applies to the bad guys, right? And yeah. and GMs exactly. Can so you might this. like it for your hero, but I don't really like it for the bad guy. But no, I I like the rule though. I think I'll tr- I'll probably try it. Yeah, uh, it's interesting. Of the Gobble, just yep. to. Why not? That's an easy one to implement. Yeah, and then right. that, that and, and like, and I can totally see even a situational rule. Like, if you take a bazooka against a bunny rabbit, doesn't matter. Like, if you get nineteen wounds, I'm sorry, the bunny rabbit's not gonna have to just soak four. It's dead. Like, right? Like, <laughs> right? Because the bunny rabbit. What an if extra. it's the the bunny rabbit that's a wild card right? in Monty Python? If it's Monty Python, <laughs> run away! If it's Monty Python. That bunny gets the four soak right. wounds, See? and you got to right because that's that's again. a wild card bunny in that case, right? So I think it. I think it's legit. Like okay, I think you know you can be, be adults and you know <laughs> just try it out. 
The uh, so let's talk about some of the skill changes. Yeah. Um, the one big one that I that I saw, um, and I think all of these skill changes are going into core. That's my thought. Yeah. Is all of these gonna are going to go into way. core? Yeah. So they've taken swimming, climbing, throwing. It's now one skill called athletics. Legit. Um, I, mean, you know, I mean, unless you unless you have a setting where legitimately one of those things needs to be really pulled important. out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like where you would have, let's say, a setting where climbing. There's most everybody has a certain level of climbing skill, but there's certain people that are like, you know, Sherpas. Right. right? What was the uh, what was the, maybe st- what was the Stallone movie where he was the climber? Do you remember? Cliffhanger. 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 Yeah. So if you're playing Cliffhanger, the RPG, you might pull out climbing. Yeah, yeah. And like, so we got thievery, uh, lockpicking, pickpocketing, disarming traps, any skullduggery type thing. It's a thievery skill. Right. Dig it. Fine. And, and, you know, you have so many people who on, for the longest time, all the time are going, well, how do you, how do you disguise yourself? How do you use disguise? Thievery is the new skill you can use for disguise, and they, the opponent makes a notice check. I mean, it's, it's already been there as a persuasion versus notice, but now you have thievery. You've got a performance skill, um, you know, and uh, not a lot to say on that. It's a performance skill. Perform music. Uh, you can take that and put that into a fantasy game for your bard or whatever. Um, and then you have the knowledge skills are more defined, especially in Flash Gordon. Um, they're, they're a... A lot more, a lot more defined. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, it reminds me of kind of Call of Cthulhu-ish, where they have they actually list out the different types of knowledge and right. how you would utilize those in different ways. Uh, and like you can a still cult. have a you can still have a specialty yeah. knowledge, like yeah. like it even says in there that you can have knowledge accounting, but you just have to understand that that's that kind of specialty may or may never come up in a game, and you have to understand you have to be okay with that. That I mean, if you're going to spend the points on that, you might want to talk to your GM and go, you know, I took knowledge accounting, so at some point in the game, I'd really like accounting to come into the game. But, you know, they're talking more academia, battle, so on and so forth. Yeah, they yeah, added, like, what, medicine, very general. Right. and yeah. science. Yeah, so, so that you have a little bit more general. And, and they say that it, it may be different in different uh, settings. But they've kind of so they've kind of taken left that the door knowledge. open to yeah. Me, yeah 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 and that's legit like those are I mean there are a lot of home rules that people use around this already like I know in my own setting that I'm I'm working on now in Renaissance Italy knowledge is a very interesting thing there like that's kind of like the Renaissance man or woman you know aspect of that game and I want to balance edges with with knowledge skills so you know or, or other games like I know in the, the Octon Cthulhu they actually do some interesting things with knowledge and you can be like a scholar and have like the school kids if you want to be like an FBI agent you should probably right. take that edge um, so there's different ways of handling it I like what they've done here it makes sense for a setting where you want knowledge skills but it's not super academic you know right um, so I dig it I don't see yeah. any problem with it yeah so that's that's the big skill changes so I, I think most of those are going to go in uh, they've made a few changes to tricks and Tests of will. Yeah. Uh, see, this is, I think, what they're most proud of is getting a little bit more teeth into, and I guess, encouraging players to do more fun stuff. Yeah. And I really more think that's, I think that's what it's all about yeah. is making people want to use these tricks and test of wills because now test of wills are smart and spirit. Well, and also their their group advantage skills, their buffs and debuffs for the rest of your group because if you do like, um, it says a successful trick means the target is vulnerable. And we're going I'll... to talk about those states in just a second. Oh, yeah. Because, yeah, there's different states now. Oh, fun. Yeah, and yeah. We'll, we'll talk about those states here in just a second. But, yeah, so test of wills, again, smarts and spirit based, and then you're going to use smarts and spirit based to 
uh, counteract that. Your test of wills are your agility, strength, and any related skills. And so now it's a little bit different because it's just an opposed check using those skills and then successes and raises put you into some new states. And so they've added um, four new states to the game. Um, they, they, and those, again, work with the tricks, the tests, and the grappling. And they've kind of up, updated grappling a little bit as well. So um, you have a state called distracted and a, and a state uh, basically called vulnerable. And those basically, again, work with the test of wills and the tricks. So if you're distracted, you're a minus two to all your trait rolls. If you're vulnerable, actions and attacks. Against you. Against you get plus two. So well, that's what you're talking about. Everybody yeah. gets so everybody the benefit everybody, of And that's, that. what, that's not how it used to be. Right. Exactly. Yeah, so now you get support characters. Well, you remember that, the last, uh, you could result in a shaken uh, enemy, right? Um, right. If you look at their table, and, and you're not really shaking anymore. Yeah, well, you don't have well, to worry. You don't have to worry. It wor is on the table. It is on the table. But basically, the... what happens is if you just get a success on the test or whatever, you can make somebody distracted or vulnerable. If you get a raise, they've got this new thing called the creative combat table. And if you get a raise, you can choose to roll on that creative combat table, which is really kind of cool. It gives you some options and will make people, I think, want to use those aspects yeah. and those mechanics a little bit more. And you see you're rolling 2d6, so the, the fat part of the probability bell curve is shaken. Five, uh, five through nine is shaken. Um, so that's where you're right. going to Right, so that's where your shaking is going to come get in. Get your enemy shaken like in the old rules by succeeding on... Oh, yeah, these are fun. So the creative combat table yeah, has options funny, that, huh? like, you as the attacker can get some fun. You can get a second win for yourself, so you, like, remove a level of fatigue or a wound. And that's cool. So you can actually like help yourself by doing well against your opponent. Yeah, by yeah by doing these things. I think the whole card yourself, is really cool. Yeah, well, yeah, so you can gain yourself a Benny. So that's awesome. You can then shake your foe, and then this one is really cool. Whole card. Maybe I'll just read this out because the character draws the next card off the top of the action deck and holds it in reserve. This is called a whole card in some card games. After this turn is complete, he or she may use it to complete any other to replace any other remaining action card in play, except a Joker. So that means you can have the choice of upping your own um, draw card or gimping the enemies or helping a friend. So that's a pretty cool little strategic. Know, yeah. 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 You know. It's really – so I really like that. So you get a raise. You go to that creative combat table. That's really cool. I think that's something that I'm going to put into my Deadlands game. Yeah, well, this is actually something – it's funny that I, I, this is the first time I'm reading this. Like in, in my – in my game, the, the the medieval game or the Renaissance game, I have something very similar in the sense that I buff up tactician and have card effects people can pass cards around more. Um, it's kind of similar to this, where um, you know you're playing with initiative, and I, that's the thing is like Savage Worlds has this card initiative, which is definitely one of the reasons it's a fast game because you're not worrying about like rolling every time and then figuring out like just look at the cards. Um, but now like adding a little more interaction with this, like trading cards, like before you could be, if you had tactician and leader, um, you could do the, you know, you could make a knowledge battle check and then get extra cards and then you could, you could swap those out like once per combat. Um, now this kind of gives the ability of players who never don't necessarily have those edges if they do well, enough to evoke the creative combat table to be able to do that once and that's fun i mean that's, yeah, that's pretty 
That's pretty neat. I see the like, on that same page there. They have fast healing. That's that was in Lankmar. That, right. That yeah. Rule. So let's talk about the other oh. two real quick. The other two new states. So you have an entangled and a bound state. Those kind of work with grappling. If you're entangled, you can't move and you get the distracted state, which is a negative two dollar yeah. trait. Rolls. If you're bound, that's with a raise. You can't move. And you're distracted and vulnerable. Which means everybody gets a plus two. Yeah, you're yeah, you're, you're on minus you. two to all trait rolls, and everybody gets a plus two. <laughs> so they've kind of beat – I think that, that beefs up the grapple a little bit. It oh, makes yeah, it makes, it makes you want to create a character who specializes spe- in it. Yeah, right? and then lets other people beat on them while you're holding them down. <laughs> right? Like you could play like the net character. Like just you know, throw yourself on other characters. And That's yeah. what I am already thinking. See, I'm not playing, though. I'm going to be jamming. I would want to create a, a goblin boss who one of his flunkies is just big guy that I just use just to hold people just to while grapple. I wail right. on them. Yeah. Hold me back, man. Hold me back. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's the four new states. So just re- real quick, one more time. Distracted, vulnerable, entangled, and bound. I are, like all are the that. Four. That's yeah. fun. And I can see that totally going into core. Yeah. I think that's going to go yeah, into and core. I think, I think they're the most proud of, of rolling that out. That seemed like the most fun mechanic that they rolled out with this update. There's a couple more kind of uh, things that are in there, like the fast healing, the knockout blow, things like that, that are kind of smaller changes. But the other one is the cliffhanger. That's the that's the biggie for Flash, I think. And basically what the cliffhanger is, is at the beginning of the session, all the players are given a cliffhanger token. And at any point in the game that they feel like they want to or the GM, they can decide to flip that and have a cliffhanger. Um, and that cliffhanger basically can just be the GM decides what happens, or there's going to be in Flash Gordon, there's a list of possible cliffhangers, and they also have them on the site as cards, like adventure cards. And you can kind of pick the, the cliffhanger you want, and then that cliffhanger offers rewards, which could be conviction, which is another rule, or bennies or things like that. And the party gets that based off the cliffhanger, and then when you come back from that cliffhanger, you are basically, as the GM, going to play off of what just happened in that cliffhanger. So that's kind of a kind of a cool rule to to be honest with you. I apologize, everybody. I didn't read into into that as much as I should have before we did this. Well, it gives a but I don't know it, that it gives some just some yeah. Do you have to do scenarios it at, right? And I'm wondering, do you do it at the end of, of the game? Can you do it in the middle of the game? I, I guess it's it, when you want to do yeah, it. Yeah, I think it's it's driven a lot by the. The group. The group, know? yeah. When the group wants to have a cliffhanger, they flip it and they have a cliffhanger. Well, I know like in, in some of the, the more standard licensee pulp settings, there's cliffhanger mechanics where the GM can just like at any point during a battle say, you know, fade to black, we're cliffhanging this, or, or we're resolving it like, you know, get an Indiana Jones style thing like, right. oh, you, know, you guys are all captured. Like, you know, you're beaten down enough, like the Nazis overwhelm you or whatever. Um, and that's, that's fun. It's part, of the, it's part of those kind of pulpier settings where you just have the – you know, we're not going to – certain players don't understand when to give up. And so, like, <laughs> they will literally, like, on an introductory encounter, which is just supposed to get you captured and taken to the base where you get to, like, break out of your cell and have some fun yeah, in any yeah. base. No, we're going to fight to the death in this very first encounter, and we're just all going to get killed. I'm like, oh, come on, guys. Like, right. Have a cliffhanger. Right? You get captured. Yeah. Boom. You're captured. I'm yeah. not going to let you get yourself Well, you know, who, you know who does that is is um, during Tales of – yeah. Adventures, Adam Adventures, and, the Adam pulp one. Yeah. No, that's uh, Wiggy, Triple um, H Games. Oh, okay. When they put out their um, pulp setting rules, they had a something in there that basically, if you wanted to capture them, you wanted somebody to get knocked out, things like that, and if the players and party went along with it, they would get you a benny. Yeah, that's yeah. legit. But now they've put a now Flash has put a little bit of teeth 
behind the cliffhanger. Well, it's also giving it like player agency too. To do exactly. One, so that's yeah. No, I dig it. I think all of these um, kind of work up to be interesting new additions. I know they're going to be some of them are controversial because anything revolving wounds and shaken is controversial. Um, but whatever. I mean, I, I think I, I don't. I personally don't mind it. The um, you know, I think situationally, um, you can fix anything that they can. Oh, I really miss one shots. Whatever. Um, yeah, you know, I th- and, I, and like, I think most of these would. Most of these will probably go in some form into the new core. Maybe not. Maybe not the wound cap. The wound cap I could see maybe not going in just because it's more pulpy, more cinematic for Flash. It might be a setting rule. That might now be a new setting rule that you can use based off of whatever setting you're going to be running. But I don't know. I don't know if they'll put that into core. I mean, I could be completely wrong. I'll be able to find. Yeah, it would be pretty cool just for them to expand that whole section on setting uh, rules, like the mm-hmm. overall rules that everybody's agreeing to implement for this right. session campaign. Well, and there's a certain person coming to Genghis Khan who I'm going to. Uh, one night at the bar after he's had a lot of beers, maybe I'll talk to him. I'm not. I, I probably won't share it with anybody, but I'm going to talk to Shane and say, hey, you know, give me a little insight, man. Is it going into core? Yeah, is it going into core or not? Let me know. I'm curious. <laughs> so, cool guys. Yeah, no, I think with that we've uh, definitely covered all the fun new stuff. Well, not all of the fun new stuff with Flash, but the the new stuff from Flash that will likely make its way into Black. We can actually call this episode "Black to the Future." <laughs> Black to the Future, yeah. Right? Like, well, we're you know what was real quick and what might come out in the future. What was so uh, funny is is one of my friends uh, listened to the last episode, and they're like, "Your episode was talking about what you where you thought." Savage Worlds is going to in the future, and he's like, and you really didn't even talk about it. I'm like, yeah, I know. We just we hadn't recorded in a while. We just started talking. We didn't really stay on topic last show, so we kind of we kind of did, but but it was pretty funny. I think we nailed it. I I, I think we got more. We talked more about like game design and where games are going in general. Yeah, we talked more general stuff. Yeah, I mean, like we could have speculated on this stuff, but I don't know. I mean, knowing that it's going to come out soon, anyways, like. This is a cool. Very true. Yeah. Well, I'd like to thank everybody for listening. Um, you Come can find Vegas. us on iTunes. Uh, go subscribe. Leave us a five-star review or a four-star review or whatever review. We'd like to get some reviews there. Uh, you can find us on G+. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook. Uh, email us at uproaratsavagecast.com. We'd love to hear what you think about uh, the new rules, what you think about uh, – are you creative if you run plot points and modules let us know if you have any questions anything you'd like us to cover on future shows we'd love to hear from you and again thanks for listening and stay savage thank you for listening to the savage cast you can find our show on our website www.savagecast.com or on itunes just search Savage Cast RPG Podcast. While you're there, please subscribe and leave us a review. You can email the show at uproar at savagecast.com, savagemommy at savagecast.com, or savagebull at savagecast.com. You can find us on Facebook. Just search Facebook backslash savagecastrpg. You can find us on G+, and on Twitter at savagecast. Thank you again for listening to the Savage Cast, and we hope to hear from you soon.